Welcome to Run With Purpose. This is episode number 72. And for those of you that are new to the show, my name is Flores, and I'm so very glad that you found this podcast. Would love if you would subscribe. And as always, you can reach out to me on all the socials at flores.run. Uh, today, uh, we have a really, really great guest. We've had, uh, we had a conversation last week. It went very well. We talked for like 45 minutes and realized, well, shit, we probably should save some of these stories for the podcast. Um, <laughs> so it's just been a great opportunity just meeting our guest today. She has a lot to share from her story. She's had a lot of life experiences and I think we can take some pretty cool pieces from this. I'm interested in learning more. I remember when we talked last week, Megan, I was just like, don't give me all of it yet. I want to I wanna wait for it here. But she is super yeah. raw and authentic, as you guys can tell from the title of this episode. I'm excited to see where our conversation goes. But Megan, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Hi. Okay. So my name is Megan and I'm here today. Um, and thank you so much for having me on this platform, Jonathan, on your podcast. I'm really happy to share my story. Um, just a little backtrack. I'm 37 now. When I was in grade two as a little girl, my mom came home early from work on her birthday. And unfortunately, she caught my father having an affair. Um, so that was very hard for her. And um, the affair was with uh, the border downstairs that my mom had, or sorry, my father had convinced my mother to let move in. Um, Thereafter, we moved out and my father was on his own. Um, Shortly after that, he met a partner. They've been together for 29 years now. Um, And I live with my father most of my life. His partner was very abusive. Um, And then I left on my own at 15 and I wanted to go live back at my mom's. And she told me that I had to go to this place called Freedom Village USA in the States. And I didn't want to go. So I ended up homeless in Toronto for three months in the winter. That was a whole nother adventure in itself. Um, I then decided to go to Freedom Village because I was tired of being homeless. Um, I went there for a while. Um, Unfortunately, but fortunately for me, I got kicked out um, of there because of um, my difference in Christianity. We didn't grow up that way. So my mom putting me in that in that position was um, a lot different for me, especially having a father who's homosexual, who I had supported my whole life. I had really bad bullying with that. So that was something I went through. We were also combined. We confined. We never left the property. Um, you, uh, everything was controlled by them. Um, so I got kicked out and they put me on a bus with $10 and sent me back home to Canada. Uh, and so once I arrived, um, I ended up living with my mom for a little bit, but that couple weeks, and then I was, um, kicked out. And a lot of that had to do, unfortunately, with my mom having a drinking problem. Um, that was her way of coping, I think, with my father being a homosexual. And she loved him like she truly loved my father. So it, it really hurt. Um, and and um, so from there is what happened with a lot of my childhood was her alcoholism um, moved over to, to me um, in that I ended up living on my own after that. So I lived on my own, unfortunately, in doing so, I didn't finish school. So I um, never was able to do that. I worked. And then in my judgment of having been abused my whole life, I ended up in a domestic um, abuse relationship for, I think by the time I stopped talking to him and got him totally out of my life was probably about three years. 
that man's also now up for a dangerous offender in Canada, which um, is a pretty high. They don't do that often because generally it means that they're not getting out of jail. So um, that was a lot. Um, I got away from that. Um, and from then on, I, I tried to learn from that. I stopped doing um, cause like growing up on my own, I have done drugs. I stopped doing all of that stuff and I decided to change my life and, and that what I wanted was not to be the people that I saw going downhill. I didn't want it to let me like, it's funny because <laughs> there's a Drake song and it says, um, I think it goes like you didn't get the ghetto, the ghetto got you. Mm right? Because people think they're hardcore there. I didn't want to be that. So that's when I decided at 20 years old, I got a job at a place um, called City Financial. And I was doing really well for myself. And um, from then on, I ended up moving. I've, I've moved around a lot. I've lived on Vancouver Island. My daughter was born in Nanaimo. Um, and uh, from there on, I've kept fighting to, to try and do stuff. I've always worked having no schooling has never stopped me from anything. Um, I've always found a way to make money. I've never gotten trouble. I've never, I've always had my integrity through everything that I've been through, through all the people I've hung out with that lacked that. That was something that I always stood by. Um, and that's got me through majority of my life is having that integrity. Um, because without that, a lot of um, bad decisions could have been made on my behalf of those things. Um, and through all of these things has made me who I am today, which is no regrets, which is I'm able to sit here and be raw and authentic and honest with people because every thing that I went through, I would like to help somebody else on top of that, as well as this is who I am. This is my story. I was a little girl. Um, my father, was forced out of the closet ideally um and in living with him i don't i understand he, he was was able to be gay well for the first time in his life and we lived in toronto and he was gone a lot I, i've raised myself since i was 11 basically i've been very independent um on that so I just like to share the story with people. You can sit there and people say I'm resilient. I'm not resilient. I don't know any other way mm. because what do you do? You either do what you need to do to get money, to pay your rent, to pay your bills with integrity, or you sit there and choose to do crime. Like the only choice to me was to do the right thing and to never sacrifice who I was, you know, and it's, definitely got me into some trouble, <laughs> but it's okay because I'm okay. I learned from it. I'm not perfect. I mess up. I make mistakes. I have my own, um, my mood disorders, you know, and, and I'm dealing with that at 30 years old is when I discovered that um, I had epilepsy for the very first time I was going to go to school for myself. I got the confidence and I'd been speaking with a woman and she's actually in, um, California and her name is Alexis Cunningham. And she really, really helped me turn around my way of thinking. And that really helped me to give myself the confidence to go to school that I could do it. And I did do it. And I took my law clerk program and I passed with honors. I only have nine credits. And basically because 
as of grade six, when all the bullying started happening, because my father was a homosexual and people would make fun of him because I was always open and they would call him the normal, like the F word and a fudge packer and just all these things that kids say that are really, really mean. Um, and because this was back in the nineties, instead of dealing with the situation, um, because it wasn't right to behave that way, they took me out of regular classrooms and put me in a smaller classroom, which again, really affected my education. So for grade um, seven and eight, I was in a class with three people. Mm -hmm. I barely learned anything when I was in there because the other two children did have really big issues that were always coming up. Um, and, and that really affected. And I went from three people to a high school that I was just supposed to go in and be able to figure out and navigate all by myself. So that is why high school didn't work for me. So the schooling system in Toronto failed me greatly. Um, and I'm, I'm happy and I hope that things have changed for other children these days because a lot of the struggle could have been helped through through the schooling. Right. A lot of my scarring, my PTSD from bullying, a lot of it. Um, and I'm happy that things have changed. And I'm happy that I fought for my dad. And I'm happy that these people that I fought against might not have known it in the moment, but I know they're sitting there now thinking I was a jerk. Mm. That, that girl was right. You know, and it was really hard being wiser than everyone else growing up. Yeah. Like, you know, the kids say woke these days. My little friend Megan said, don't say that. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I met her in college. She's 22. <laughs> and so that's like, you know, we have like that friend, mother, daughter yeah, relationship yeah. now going on, which I love. Cause, and even again, like having Megan allows me to offer that to my daughter. Right. And she's a wonderful girl. She's very smart, you know, and these are the people that I like to have because when Alexis can't come to me, she can go to little Megan. Mm. You know, and these things are important to me because I didn't have that. Like, I didn't have these things. I made my family out of my friends. And that's hard growing up right. because they have families, their kids. They can't, they can't offer me what I needed, which is, again, probably how I got into a domestic a relationship but because he was there and offered me. Well, he did not offer me, but in my mind, right. he offered me what I needed at the time. And then it's funny because people say in those situations, just leave. Why don't people just get up? I'm a strong person and I didn't leave. And it's because you're scared to leave. Because like I said, even after leaving, he, he, this man still found me and I was never mean to him because I'm just like an empathetic person. And so like the whole time, and this is part of the issue, you see a glimpse of people that nobody see. And so you see this little bit of hope in somebody and that sucks you in mm. hardcore you know, and, and, and so eventually it took, like, I just, he went to jail again and, and I was able to just disconnect totally um, emotionally because I was emotionally attached, obviously for a while, because I didn't hang up the phone and I have no reasonable explanation as to why I chose. I can't, I can't tell anybody how to do it. I can just understand from my point of view is that I knew it was wrong. I wasn't strong enough to do it. And I had a lot of issues, which led me to, to allow him to cling on to me. Like I'm it, it, like hindsight, it probably felt good having somebody like want like my wisdom and my advice instead of all of that stuff going through, you know? 
Um, but again, I don't, I don't regret it. Right. Um, like I'm lucky enough. I think the way I think of it is that I went through that at a young age and learned that lesson before I was older. You know what I mean? And, and, um, and even through that guys, I've been raw and authentic. I got beat up by him a lot because I couldn't shut my mouth, but I don't care. Like I still did it. You know what I mean? And you know what? I got up every time I got away in time from him, you know, and, and, um, he was never going to change. That's the thing. Yeah. Now he's in for dangerous offender. He's done the same thing to me that he's done to every girl. So it wasn't me. It's him. Right. That's what people need to realize too. It's not you. It's not, it doesn't matter if it was you standing in front of them or the girl next door or the person at, at, like at the, it doesn't matter. They're going to get abused. Yeah. There's you just, know? there's just so much that like the amount of notes I've already written of just like yeah. just things in your story because, and I think it all comes down to, and you've hit it a few times just saying it. it's this this idea of no regrets and understanding that hey these things even though they were shitty you know the shitty things happen you were put in shitty situations even yeah. though these things happen and not necessarily resilient like you said it's a it's could you it's kind of like a fight or flight mentality but you persevered through it is probably another yeah, way of saying you. it and it's like <clears throat> you <clears throat> excuse me you push through these circumstances knowing that hey you know again, you took it understanding there's, there's something else happening here. It's not necessarily me. That's the issue. How can I kind of push through because there's either I do or I don't. And we kind of, well, what, and that's, that's what I didn't understand the choice. And you know what, like you never know. Cause that, like, obviously I've had my problems with depression and up and lows being on myself, but like, there's always tomorrow. Mm. Like, can your day get worse than it was that day? And like to give up means that there, you think there's never going to be anything better. And I just never could think that there wouldn't be something better. You know what I mean? And better isn't perfect. Better is just a nicer day than it was the day before. Yeah. You know, and like I've slept in subway stations in Toronto. Like I've been waking up, woken up, sorry, by the people cleaning, telling me, I'm sorry, I can't sleep there. And like, I'm a, I'm a kid, right. you know, I've slept in cars in really bad places where shootings are in Toronto. And this is all in the middle of the winter, you know, and I ride the bus all night long because I had nothing to do. And the driver was nice. Like, you know, and again, like I look back at those things and like, yeah, it was hard, but like, it was adventurous. You know <laughs> what I, think, I mean? Like, I think it's an interesting way of doing that too, because you're taking this again, very shitty circumstances and things that are happening, but you're, you're looking back on them and understanding, Hey, this has kind of made you who you are. You can tell these stories. And again, not that you hope or, or wish people are going through this, obviously, but you're able to no. help people like kind of cope and understand like, Hey, you're not alone. I've also gone through similar things and this is how I handled it. And it's a lot of it is, Again, there's certain situations you need to get out of, you know, and, and to work to get out of situations. But a lot of times it's reframing that thinking. And I think this like raw and authentic aspect of it is, hey, be true to yourself. Be real with what's happening. Because if you're telling yourself lies about the situation, you're never mm -hmm. going to like fully feel open. You're always going to feel trapped behind that door. Yes. And, and that's how I like there's no... There's no other way to me. Like I, and that's where people like, I, I just, I've always just kept going. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's all I know. And I, and even when I fought for stuff, like I didn't regret 
fighting for things. Like I never thought, Oh, I hate my life. Cause I have to stick up for my dad. My thought was, I don't understand why these people are so ridiculous. Like, yeah. and I don't understand, like that was more of how I was. So I, in those situations, I wasn't angry. I was just really like dumbfounded by how we can talk about discrimination and like, like racism. These are all to me personally, the same thing because it's not accepting a human being for a human being. And I don't know how at grade six, I knew that nobody taught me that it was just who I was. You know, like I lived in Toronto and obviously we're all different, but like even in school, like I never thought about anything like any, I just didn't think about it. Like I just hung out with people and it wasn't even until I moved places that I understood that there was different cultures really per se, because yeah. in my schools, like we didn't see it. Right. Like there were families that were Greek and African when they home at home, they had their culture, but at school we were just all kids. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting concept because a lot of times all of these kinds of things, racism or anything that's revolved in any sort of discrimination, we'll just kind of classify it as any bit of discrimination, yeah. no matter what the situation is. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. It's, it's kids that's a learned process. You don't yeah. just, you just don't do that. You're learned, you're taught inherently through your, through your circumstances, through your people around you of this is right. And this is wrong. And this yes. is kind of the way you need to go. I mean, I grew up in North Carolina and when we first moved to North Carolina from Florida, I was five or six years old, but we moved, uh, and the, the town, the sign on the, uh, for the town said, welcome to Smithville, North Carolina, home of the local light, or it's like sponsored by the Ku Klux Klan. Um, <laughs> and it's like, and you're like, wait a second, this is like 92 ish, I think. And it's like, wait a second. Why? Like, how is this still a thing? And then it's, again, I have a Spanish last name. I don't speak really any Spanish, but because yeah. of my last name, I was kind of like put in this thing, but then they realized, wait a second, you look more white. So now yeah. you're going to hang out with the white kids. And again, no thinking of it is like I had black friends. I had Mexican friends, I had whatever. And it's like no issues. And then, then it gets to an age where you're like, wait a second, people are saying, no, the black people do this and the white people do this. And you're like, well, yes. and when you're that young, you're just like, well, these people must know what they're talking about, you know? Yeah. And I think, and I, not to say it's a detriment to it, but because you kind of had your friends as your family and kind of use that as almost like your support system. Yeah. You kind of shielded yourself, I think, maybe from that just a hair to then be able to have those opinions as you're getting older going, no, I'm still sticking with that train of thought of these are human beings and we need to love yeah. them no matter what. Yeah. And it's even like growing up um, in Sudbury, Ontario, where I grew up, it's got a really high crime rate there. Um, and there is a lot of like bad people there, unfortunately. And like, even growing up through all of that, like I was able to find support systems, you know, and some of them weren't the greatest people, like they made bad choices, but you know what? Like they still had something to offer me, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And they didn't make, they weren't bad to me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They just made bad choices on their own, maybe to fight or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Um, but it goes to your I, point I, is you have, you have these options. Like there's, they, they, sometimes they're treating people nice, but it's like in their current circumstances, they're like, I had to go one way or the other. And this is the way I felt like I had to go again. Unfortunately, people are put in circumstances where they have to make those shitty decisions. Like yes. you make shitty decision a or shitty decision B. Those are your only two decisions. And it's how do you and get do you out do? of that? Yeah. And think about like all the children that I was hanging out with also had problems. We were hanging out all together because we needed each other. Right you know, and, and that's how you get, you know, and that's where you choose like who you are, who you hang out with. And so I was able, I didn't find 
the people who were really bad. I had my people who had integrity, but also had problems, mm-hmm. you know, and, and had their own issues with their own families, you know, and, and living on my own. Like I'm, there was a gentleman, his name is Jeff and he lived beside me in one place that I lived in and he was 25 and I was 18 and he took me on and he didn't have to, you know, and he knew a lot of people in the city where we lived. And so um, if I, cause I lived on my own. Right. So if I had people over or anything and they got disrespectful, like he would come over and tell them like, you can't do that. And, and like, he's not the best person. He's made a lot of bad choices, you know, like he has, I, uh, you know, and I don't know where he is right now and he might be in jail. I don't know. But one thing I know is for me, like that man was, a gr- I love him. He might've made bad choices, but every time he went out for fast food, he asked me if I wanted it, you know? And, and like, if I needed something like he would help me. And even though he had, um, or made bad choices for me, like I needed him. Right. You know? And so he, I can't hate somebody who offered me something that he offered me. Do I hate his choices? Yeah. If I talk to him, I'd say, you're an idiot. What are you doing? Right. What are you doing? Get a job. Right. And, th- and that's the other part of it. It's not, again, people can make decisions, but it's almost separating people sometimes from that. Sometimes you can't because it's like, Hey, you continue to make stupid decisions. Like you, you might be a stupid that's person. When you have to move on. Correct. Yeah. You have to kind of like kill those people out of, out of your network, if you will. But at the same point in time, a lot of people are put in between two bad decisions and they kind of yeah. have to choose which way to go. One thing that you, you said earlier that kind of stood out to me was this idea of you You never limited what you could do, even though you didn't have the education, the education system had failed you and everything mm. that you had to deal with, you never let any of that stuff kind of limit you. And I think we have a lot of people that kind of put, most of our limits are self-imposed. When we say we can't do something, yes. it's we are saying we can't do something. No one else yes. is telling us we can't do something. We're like, oh no, I can't do that. Why? Well, you know, I just can't. Like, well, give me a good reason because that's not good enough. Yes. And that is true. And and in speaking with that woman, she was saying like, Megan, like you can do it, like you're fine. And I also had one friend for 19 years, which was like a divorce, our breakup. That was the worst thing I think that I've ever had happen to me, um, like in relationship wise. And even though she was really mean when we broke up, like, you know, because that's basically what it was. Um, I... I still love her. Like I don't talk bad about her. Cause again, for 19 years, that now woman offered me love, mm-hmm. told me that I was smart, told me like, you're pretty, you're worth it. And so how can you hate somebody for a bad choice? Yeah. She was a jerk when she stopped being my friend and she really hurt my feelings. However, she did all these other things for me. Mm. So I can't just focus on the one bad thing of our friendship and, and, and realize that she treated me and that was her choice, right? Like that wasn't my choice. You can't own other people's choices. Yeah. I was a good friend. I was honest with her and she did what she did. That's her choice, but I will never hate her. And I messaged her and told her that the other day, like a while ago, I said, I just want to like, it's been about five years and she's has a restaurant called Fromage, La Fromagerie, I think in Sudbury, Ontario. And it does well. And I'm proud of her. I have nothing bad to say. Like that's good for you. Cause I've heard that you circulate friends every five years once you get older, because we mm-hmm. grow and we change. And, and when I look back, it, it does happen. Sometimes yeah. you do. So I had a friend for 19 years that was like my sister. Yeah. 
you know, and I think that's where people get so mad at people when they don't want to be their friend anymore. And a lot of it is like being hurt and being and then jealous sometimes and anger. And, and, and I just choose to look back at the things that people offered me because I literally don't know where I would have been without her. So right. how can I hate her? Yeah. That doesn't, you know? It's an interesting thing. You say they're like people, it's their choices and you kind of can't live through their choice. Like, yes, some of the things that people do affect you, but yes. you kind of get to decide how you react in that situation. Your response is totally up to you. Yeah. And, and, and I chose to not react. Like I, uh, um, I was in Mexico at her wedding and, and, um, I struggled to be able to go. Um, and, um, that's where like our friendship, but she let one of her friends charge a bottle of alcohol to my room in Mexico. Um, and so when I left, they thought they had pulled one over on me. Um, I just said, show me the signature and it was, and I said, this is not my, like, that's not mm -hmm. mine, you know? And I didn't, but that was one thing too. Like, in 19 years, she, it's not just me. So that's where it was like ended for me. She wasn't just doing that to me. She was taking from my family. Now I have a kid. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and there are certain things that she, and she did make that choice, Jonathan. And I hope she regrets it because nobody deserved that. That's really immature. I would never do that to someone, but yeah. that's who I am. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's, you, you understand, kind of what's important to you. And like you said, it's like you have your family now and stuff like this, and you've learned from all of these experiences that you've been through of this integrity to keep pushing through and keep working hard and not mm. letting anyone tell you that you can't do something because of X, Y, and Z, whether it's being bullied or not having the education that, that everyone believes you should have or whatever the case might be. It's like, obviously we're having discussions now we talked about your schooling and stuff when we talked yeah. last week we, we talked about all these things and everything you're able to accomplish and then even now just for something as simple as hey like reaching out to me and basically having this conversation back and forth and saying hey I want to show your story. Like I want to tell people what you've kind of been through again. So people can kind of see and go, Oh, I'm not alone in this, whatever single piece it is. And I'm telling you guys, connect with Megan. We'll talk about it more at the end of the show, but yeah, you do. definitely want to connect with her because she's, she's got, she has a lot of, this is like the, the icing on top of the cake of what she's sharing. Oh, yeah. there's, there's so many different layers that yeah. we, we, we talked about previously. And I think there's a lot of great information you can share. And I'm super looking forward for like any other shows you're on. Like I'll be checking oh, them out because it's going to be, it's going to be great, but yeah, we're not, we're not done yet here though. But the, the whole idea of, um, of pushing through and um, shit, I was going to go somewhere there. So I completely forgot, but you had this idea of your purpose again is the helping others and sharing your story. This is my story. And you're kind of living yeah. that piece out. I think a lot of people get wrapped up with trying to live somebody else's story. And that kind of goes into those choices where it's saying, Hey, this is the route I should be going because social media tells me I should, or, or culture tells me you should. It's interesting yeah. from fact, cause obviously, and I meant to say this in the intro, you're our first international uh, yeah, guest see, that we've had on the eh? show. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we say. She's going to be chugging maple syrup here in a bit. It's going to be a whole thing. Guys. Only a tablespoon at night when I need some sweet stuff, guys. <laughs> Hey, I can't help myself. I should I should have grabbed some syrup out here. We could have just done it like on the show. I might still do that before we finish. Um, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but this idea, I'm curious from a a culture side. Obviously, Canada is a very similar to the U.S. just yeah. from, just because of proximity. Really, it's a lot of things bleed over. Well, and our constitutions were um, like written 
ours was written after yours, but it reflects a lot of um, the American constitution. So we do are very similar our countries in some ways. Yeah. So like kind of with that though, are there any like cultural pools? I'm sure there's similar, like we have in the U S of this idea of like, you know, like the American dream kind of thing where there's certain ways, these are certain things you should do. And this is kind of like, if you hit these checklist checklist items, you're now successful. Yeah. I feel like, um, since capitalism has progressed, like we never used to, when I was a kid, when I, we didn't, when I was like 15, we didn't have old Navy here. We didn't have a lot of these things here. We didn't have TV where we saw a lot of Americans with huge houses and all these things. And like a lot of people down here, I find like are um, like going that way a lot, like a lot, but then you know what the world evolves everywhere, Yeah, you know, like it's always changing. So people are really materialistic, a lot of it. And I've had to rein myself in too, because like, I don't like, I just remember Megan, you were homeless. You had nothing and you were fine. Yeah. Like I don't need things, you know? So, um, I try, and this is where it's hard sometimes from having nothing to be able to get myself stuff. I struggle with like Megan, that was a ridiculous thing. So like, guys, I return stuff a lot. Like, I don't (laughs) even lie because I make these choices and I regret them after. And so I'm like, you know, one day I was like, Ooh, I'm going to buy a Dyson hairdryer. And I brought it home and I used it. And I was making, that's the dumbest thing you did. You just spent $500 on a hairdryer because it, and so I was like, that's, so I returned it, you know? And, and these are the things that I have problems with having nothing. Mm. It, like you know but i and i was just always like i don't like saying hustler because that sounds like no but i get it's honest no i get it though but even when i was a kid like i would have garage sales like my dad um worked at a place where he would renovate so he would get to take stuff home which was good stuff but that's just my dad and he had a shed and whatever and i would go in the shed in the morning and i would take out a bunch of stuff you know and i would have garage sales and and that's what i did um and that one was when i older when i was a little girl and so i was probably about eight or nine my dad lived on um the 18th hole of a country club and um where i lived this was a higher end country club and so our, the stream ran through our house and there was a bridge and to, at the 18th hole and i would collect golf balls okay i would go around and i would go on the stream and i would collect all these golf balls and then i would have a juice stand like a lemonade stand and if you got a glass of juice then you would get a golf ball so they would try and buy a golf ball and i'm like that's not how it works the golf balls aren't for sale the (laughs) juice is for sale if you want a golf ball buy buy the juice yeah i had one man That was funny. My dad, I had one man try and tell me to give his ball back because it had his initials and I'm eight and I'm like, it's my ball. My ball I now. found it on my yard. Yeah. My dad had to be like, come out and be like, are you buy the ball off her buddy? <laughs> yeah. Buy juice. That's and like, then you get your ball back. <laughs> exactly. And you're lucky she found it. I guess like, I don't know anything about golf balls, but they're expensive. Yeah. They are very you know? expensive. Yeah. And that was like, but I was a little girl then, like I was eight. Yeah. And then I was garage sailing and then I dog walked when I was little and I, I've always found ways to make money. Yeah. Always. Like I've shoveled snow and made 300 bucks in a day with a shovel because I wanted some extra cash and I went and did it. Like I'm, I humble myself. There's nothing I won't do that is done with integrity for money. I don't care. Like if I need some cash. Yeah. It's interesting because this idea, again, this is not, we're, we're, oh, we're basically the same age and the idea of, of this hard work aspect, like growing up, 
even for me, just being in the States, that wasn't a thing. Like even <laughs> you could, you could start seeing it with, with my generation. We, we kind of worked a little bit, but it was still very like a little more cushed than it probably compared to now where it's like, I think, and this is just me picking on Gen Zers and everyone. It's like, if you told a kid, here's a shovel, go make, you know, oh, you want to go to the movies night. You have to shovel these three driveways. Be like, well, I guess I'm yeah. staying home. Or, you know, it's like, I don't know where this shift happened where people feel like they, they are owed something for like, for existing. I think it's parenting. That's true. Personally, uh, I think a lot of it is parenting and it's not parents. It's like everybody judging parents. Mm. Everybody from TV shows. Like it's this whole fallacy of this perfect idea. Kids are hard. When you actually parent, when you actually have to parent your child, it is hard. My daughter the other day, like we have a family like that we've quarantined with like the whole time. Um, and it's my like modern family here. Um, and I said, okay, we're going up there, you know, and there's not enough room in the car for the girls are walking and my daughter refused to walk. And so the girls went ahead of her and I was trying to talk her into it and she wouldn't do it. You know what I did? I picked her up. I put her outside. I gave her a sweater. I gave her her shoes and I left. And I said, when you're ready to go, you know where to go or you can sit outside. That was her choice. And a lot of people would have a fear of doing that Yeah. where I'm just like, well, what do you want me to do? Let her sit in the house. Like, what was I supposed to do? Let her sit in the house and have her own way. But that's me. Like, that's how I, and again, it's cause I'm, I don't like, not that I don't care, but I parent my child. I know what I'm allowed to do. I, my child's never rude when she's out. And she did walk there, by the way, guys, she was dramatic and she chose to wear one shoe because she's my kid. (laughs) She walked a half an hour there with one shoe on and, you know, she got there and she didn't think she was in trouble. Well, you should have seen her face when she had to go up to the empty room upstairs. (laughs) So even when she walked there, guys, like she was still in trouble. Right. It's still like a disobey, but I think, I think that idea you said of, it's not necessarily the parents, it's the people judging the parents, because if you don't do something a certain way, people look at you going, well, why aren't you doing this? Why, why doesn't your kid have this? Or why are you not doing this kind of thing? And, and it makes it so much harder because it's even more pressure. It's like, Hey, I'm also trying to keep this little human alive and like try to graze them a right way. But now I've got this like extra influence of this is how you should be doing things. And it just wears you down. I bet. Yeah. I don't hang out with parents generally. Like I'm not a PTA person. Like my kid was in girl guides and I went in and I'm like a guy I literally, I went in and I said to the girl guide, listen, like girl guide leader. I said, listen, I don't really like kids. I'm not going to lie. I don't have patience for other people's children because of that. Cause I can't handle children who are spoiled. It's not my thing. Mm-hmm. I said, but if you need any help with anything else, you need baking, like you need anything. I'm here for you. I've got you. I'm not that kid person. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've, I've never been that kid person. Like I like well-behaved children that want to have fun and that want to listen and aren't perfect because yeah. kids are kids. They have their problems. You know what I mean? And we're all like but, that, but it's the idea of this idea of like respect and, and that sort of thing. It's yeah. something that kind of gets lost. I, I kind of, I won't say I rub people the wrong way when I do it, but growing up in the South and North Carolina, you know, it was, it was yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. And I say that to literally everyone. It doesn't matter if you're older than me. It doesn't matter if you're younger than me. It's just ingrained. I tell my wife that she'll ask me something like, yes, ma'am. And people like will hear it and go like, (laughs) 
is, is everything okay at home? Like, do we need to have a conversation? <laughs> and it's like, no, yeah. and I'll do it to like some of the people at my day job, you know, they're in their, their young twenties. And I'd be like, yeah. yes, ma'am. And like, oh, that makes me feel old. And I'm like, why? I'm like, I'm just being respectful. And it's yeah. like, it's this idea of, of kind of what the norm is and how people can kind of get, it's so uncommon for people to hear it that yeah. it's now like people are taken back by it now. And you're like, 50 years ago, you'd get slapped in the face if you didn't say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. And it's like, yeah. and where, you know, how did that change? Again, like you said, it's, it's how people kind of parent and raise. And I think from like a generational standpoint, you can kind of see this aspect of this is how our parents are raised or this is how our grandparents are raised. And they mm -hmm. always try to be like, I don't want to treat my kids like they treated me or whatever the case might be. And yes. it, it just seems like it kind of gets lax and lax when you're like, wait a second, some of these things are good things to keep in mind. Yes, everyone's dealing with their own personal circumstances, bringing them in. But yeah. at the core, it's like, hey, just like, it goes back to our first point of like, be nice to people and love people and respect people. Like if you do that, how many problems could just be solved if you just respected people? But that's literally our job as a parent. Right. It's not that your kid has everything. It's not that your kid is the happiest child in the world 24 seven. Like my kid told me last night that she hated me and I was the worst mom. And this is new and she's 12 and I'm just sitting there like, whatever, Alexis, like you're dramatic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like she might hate me, but she's going to be respectful. She's going to have integrity. And I'm, my job is to raise a good human being. That's my job is to raise somebody who has integrity morals character mm -hmm. that wants to add to society like that's what i think parenting is and so that's time it really sucks parenting it really does sometimes i don't have the patience for it and i'm like like alexis like i don't want to do it you know because we're, i'm still a person right. i have my own emotions like uh, like she says things that upset me that hurt my feelings and some days i'm just having a hard day and this is a stigma on parents like a lot of parents would not have put their kid outside I'm not that parent, but you know what? The next time she's going to walk yeah. with her friends. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. She won't sit there and cry on the porch for no reason. She'll want to walk with her friends because she ended up walking and she had to go in the room when she went there and she looked ridiculous because she had one shoe. Yeah. It's like, I remember we went out to dinner one night uh, my dad swears this never happened, but I'm like, I remember it like it was yesterday. I know for yeah, a yeah. fact this happened. I'm like, don't worry, dad. Child services isn't coming after you now. Like I'm in my yeah. mid thirties. They're not going to say anything about yeah, it. It's done. Yeah. It's done and over with, but we were going to uh, golden corral, which is like a buffet restaurant. Uh, okay. And we were saying like, I didn't want that. I, you know, I was probably, I, I probably was 10 or 11 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want this. Like, and my dad's like, well, this is what we're eating. Like as a family, we're going out and this is what we're eating. Like, I don't want it. He goes, then sit in the car and I was like fine and I sat in the car and then yeah. they went and ate and then when they were done eating yeah, I think that's okay yeah they came back in the car and we went home and I was like well I'm hungry and he's like hard. he's like well you decided not to eat dinner exactly. so when you go home you could go to bed and that could be that and yeah. it's like like that moment like I again so vividly remember all of it it's the yeah. idea of yeah that makes sense as people 
in life, this is like a life lesson that, that parents should be teaching their kids is you yes. don't always get what you want. Now you can, you can work hard to try to, to reach towards a goal and put in the effort and maybe things will kind of play out that way, but you got to kind mm-hmm. of put your effort in. You don't just get handed things. And then, no. and then again, to your whole story and everything we're talking about is dealing with all of these circumstances, it would have been so much easier for you to say, poor me and kind of soak sulk in it and say, well, this is it. I give up. I can't, everything's against me and what's happening, but you kind of persevered through it and through hard work kind of got, went or were able to get to the place that you are today. Well, thank you. And a lot of it, like, don't like everybody has, I have had my days, like, you know, where I stay in bed for four days or like, I'm, I'm really dramatic sometimes, you know, so I'll have my moment and like, I'll be like, my life is over. Like, you know, and then I get it all out and I'm like, okay, Megan, your life's not over. You're really dramatic. Everything's going to be okay. You know, but I, I voice it and my friends accept me even now for who I am and they know, and they're like, okay, Megan, you know, like that's okay. And you need to have that support system, you know, but even I just had my whole goal of going to school was to become a paralegal. Like I, I graduated law clerk, but I did not want to be a law clerk because with all due respect, like I didn't want to sit at a desk and do paperwork all day. Yeah, I was in financial and that's what I did. That was my job. I wanted to do paralegal, but my epilepsy in 2019 came back um, and, or sorry, resurfaced, I'll say, and my medication stopped working. And um, I was able to complete my law clerk, but then it started to get worse, which means more medicine, which means like everything on top of one another. Um, I'm, I'm doing good, but sometimes I have speech problems. I have memory issues. So there's just some things that I decided the career that I was hoping for in paralegal was more than likely not going to be feasible for me, not only because of that, because of the stress load and the amount of sleep I need and just all of these things that changed for me. So I thought like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, what am I going to do now? Because um, I have this passion and I really wanted to do it and I don't want to give up. So then I thought, well, a lot of people have always told me to go on podcasts, but it's just nothing like I, I never thought about it or or had like faith to do it. And so doing this is good for me, like talking in this way. Um, Cause I wanted to tell my story. And like I said, like there's so many layers, like even being homeless in Toronto, the things that like happened, you know, like me and my friend went with some guy who, who like said, do you want to drive my car for fun? And we're like, you know, 14, 15 and we're like, sure. And then he's like, do you want to sleep over? Cause you have nowhere to go. And we're like, sure. And we went, you know, I know. Right. And we didn't die. Like I thought I was going to, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and then there's things I think, well, who was watching over me? Cause we went to this house with a strange man who was older than us, you know, like, um, and, um, he could have killed us. Nobody knew where we were. This is back in the day. Like there, we were on a payphone. you know, yeah. like this is a long time ago, but he stopped at the store and bought us like food that we wanted. And, and, you know, he dropped it. He washed our clothes for us and he was really nice man to us and dropped us off at the subway station the next day and gave us 10 bucks and said, you know, and like, so these things happen to me too, which means there are good people. Right. He didn't have to do that. Like why he didn't have to, he could have just, he said, where do you guys want to go? And we're like, wherever it's fun. That was our answer. Wherever there's like, it's Toronto. Where do you want to go? Wherever there's people and we can people watch, you know, like that's where I want to go, you know? And so there's like crazy things like that, that have happened where uh, like at some point I'm like, somebody watched over me. Yeah. 
like something like because whether that man like even not him like being a murderer but even just being somebody that i needed for the night like i needed a rest i needed clean clothes i needed some food you know like and and he overheard us trying to figure out what we were doing like we were on the payphone trying to find somewhere to go or see what we could do and 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 that's how that happened you know like uh, so there's a lot of crazy stories of stuff like that that have happened that i've done you know and and I just, I have been street smart, which has always helped me as well. Like having that, you know, um, and I'm, that's why I want to share my story. Cause I'm here. Right. And I did. And, and that happened. And once I left my ex who was abusive, um, that's when I got the job at city financial and I was 20 years old and like, I was making 36,000 a year, you know, and I'm horrible at math. Like I'm like, I, it's really embarrassing. But when I first started working there, cause I'm so bad at math, I called my mom and I was like, it's three times five and five times three, the same thing. Like she'll never let me let it down. Never. And I was just like, she's like, yeah, I'm like, okay, I thought so mom, but that's how bad at math I was. Like I like, because my math teacher gave me 50 cause he didn't want me back. Right. <laughs> You know, my, I failed my exam in grade nine. He just gave me 50 kids. He's like, I don't want this kid back. She talks a lot, you know, like I'm done, you know, any way to get her out of this classroom. Yeah. But then guys, look, I ended up in finances for like, like I ran a payday loan store. I worked at city financial, giving out loans and mortgages and I'm horrible at math. And I didn't, and you know what I did? I applied. That's all I did. It was out there. I applied. I went for the interview and I got the job. Yeah. And I think that's, that, that's kind of a, a reoccurring theme, obviously hearing you talk and stuff like that. It's, it's, you're finding the opportunities in, in the cloudiness, in the unknown or in what's happening. You're finding that little piece that you're like, Hey, there's a sliver that I can go through. There's a little bit of an opportunity that I can try and Hey, it may not work, but you're, you're willing to at least put the effort in and try, which I think then allows, you know, a bunch of opportunities to happen. And then just like this, wanting to share your story, because I know so many people, we had someone on the show, her name was Ronnie. It was early on in the show. She uh, was a victim of domestic abuse as well. Mm-hmm. And similar kind of situation. And for the longest time, she didn't really share her story and didn't mm-hmm. like, you know, she, she was very, very personal and stuff like that, which I, I completely understand. I get, and People then she, came, she, yeah. And she came on my show and, and it was the first time I've ever had like an open conversation with people uh, with another woman about all of that. Cause obviously as a white male, this is not something that usually happens. It's yeah. just, it's just the reality of the matter. And yeah. So it's, it's hearing that and being like, letting her have her stage and tell her story, just like the impact it had on me, the impact it had on the people that listened it, listened to it. You're doing this exact same thing, just with everything that you've gone through, you're finding this opportunity going, you know what, even though the, the paralegal thing isn't working because of my current circumstances, Mm -hmm. I'm educated enough and I can tell my story and help people to, to go on shows or do whatever. So, I mean, again, I, I commend you for, for even sharing your story because it's not, it's definitely not an easy thing. You know, I, I understand how it can be very vulnerable opening yourself up because like you said, like we said before we started recording is people are going to reach out and be like, I don't agree with what she said. I'm like, well, I don't give a shit. It's her story. I don't care. You know, know how many people don't agree with me Then you're not my people (laughs) and I wasn't meant to help you. So if you're watching this and you don't agree, don't waste your time because I've been there, done that, ain't going back. Like, I, you know, like go preach to somebody else, go take it to the altar. Not my problem. Right. And that's how I am. You know what I mean? And I respect everyone. I have friends in every culture pretty much, you know what I mean? And, and I also am friends with them because I respect their culture. Right. 
And we have different cultures, but we can still be friends. Right. There's a common ground. We're human beings. And exactly. I don't I don't necessarily have to agree with everything you do and you don't have to agree with everything I do, but I, it doesn't mean I should disrespect you or treat you any differently or treat you below me or you're above me or any of this stuff. It's, oh. it's, it's we're on the same playing field trying to understand things. And if we can, if we can come through any conversation or any discussion with that understanding, hey, first off, we're human beings and I'm going to respect you even if I don't agree with everything you're saying yes. or every little piece of it. I'm still going to treat you like a human being because that's how I want to be treated. That shocks people. Oh, it does. People don't get there it. There was one man in my human rights class and it was funny because at first I could tell that I kind of irritated him. But then in the end, I was like, I, like in the end, I was like, dude, I don't hold your opinion personal. Yeah. Like you're a nice person. You know what I mean? And our thing was just about schools and religious schools. And that was our discussion. And I was just kind of saying like, I don't agree or disagree with you. You know what I mean? I, I, and like at first in the first couple of classes, but then I was like, we had a group thing and I was like, do you want to be in our group? And I like shocked the crap. Cause I think he thought I didn't like him, yeah. but I didn't not like you. Cause you're a nice human being. Yeah. And again, in talking with people, that's how you learn. Mm -hmm. I didn't learn everything that I know about life from school. I learned it from talking to strangers. I learned it from talking to people with different cultures to having open conversations with people and even like neighbors, like just little people in my life, like having grown up alone. And this is where I said to some of my other friends, and I thought it was weird that they didn't, because I just think there's always somebody that will come into your life that will influence you in some way, yeah. whether like you see them on the street and you're like, oh, or they say something to you that resonates with you. And my friend said no. And I was like, oh, that's just really odd to me because that's how I grew up is looking like at people as abroad, like, and just looking around and taking from every person that I saw basically some things and being like, oh, okay, yeah, that isn't right. Like, oh, okay. You know, and like I find nowadays in Canada, we have a problem where people will use things um, like the culture to describe something. So a lot of times I'm like, I don't understand why that mattered. And I'm not saying I wasn't perfect at it before either. Like I'm learning, you know, but like somebody will say like, oh, the, um, Spanish man across the street. I'm like, but why does it matter that he's Spanish? Yeah. Why isn't it just the man that lives across the street? You know? And then people are like, I don't know, but I'm not perfect at it. Like everyone, you just have to like acknowledge it. Yeah. You know? And, and like my friends with different cultures, like I've learned so much from them, you know, like my friend Anaya, he's from Afghanistan and he was telling me like his kids don't go to birthday parties and like, cause I have open, honest, like polite, respectful conversations with people. And he said, it's because they have their family and they have enough cousins and they like it. And then, you know, I sat, sat back because I'm not um, in that culture. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a horrible idea. Yeah. If you have a big enough family where your children have people and, you know, and, and they, ha and they're happy, like why, is it this thing that they have to have these friends outside school? Like that's us saying they're not happy enough being around their cousins. Right. Like that's us saying that they, you know what I mean? But his kids are happy. Like I see him, he brings them to swimming lessons. Like I've seen him around and he's a great father and he loves his children. But I listened to that and I was like, oh, okay, like I can't, I, I can see that and I can take some of that and apply it to my life. Right. Like, you know what I mean? And, and these are things I think in different cultures where, we don't even realize like we are all these cultures. We've just lost our roots mm. because we've all come from somewhere else. Yeah. So yeah. some of these little things are things that 
were in our culture at one point or some of our families or people, you know, um, and now you're learning. Like I love learning about other cultures. I don't know. I could sit there and ask people and listen things. Like I was having even a massage the other day and there's Asian hate going on. Mm-hmm. So the woman that gives me a, a massage, which I love, she, her, <laughs> um, she's from China. Oh my God. She's the best at deep massages. Um, she is Chinese. And I asked her like, we're having a, because like, I'm always nice. So I've like, she knows me, you know? And I said, like, do you find that? Like, do you find like here when you go out, like, is there an issue? And she's like, no, not really. Like, so it's so different, but then you can talk to somebody else and they find it is, you know, and even two people can be in exactly the same situation and interpret it wrong or different. Sorry, I should say not wrong, but depending on where they are in their life. And, and what they're feeling inside, you know? So maybe this lady that I go to doesn't have any of those reservations that people are upset with her because she's Asian, you know? And maybe that's like the whole thing. But um, like, I was really shocked when she said that too, because it was everywhere. So I for sure was thinking that she was going out getting like her feelings were being hurt. And I just wanted to be like, dude, if they are like, I apologize, like that's unacceptable. You know, like, yeah. I hope nobody treats you that way, you know? And she was like, no, I'm fine. Like everything's all good. So it's hard. I can talk to other people. I would say if I was going to say anything about our country, the biggest, biggest problem, if anybody wants to take a look, is our residential schools with aboriginals. That was a really big um, issue. It just stopped at about 95. They used to take the children from their home. Mm. They didn't have a choice. They would steal them and put them in schools. They were sexually abused. They were, their hair was cut off. They weren't allowed to speak their language or they got beat up. They weren't allowed to look at their siblings. Like it was a really, really bad thing. And that was run by our government. Mm. So a lot of our Aboriginal people here right now in Canada live on land where they don't have clean water. They have really crappy homes. Um, And our government owns that land. They own the land and they refuse to give it to them and they won't give them clean water. You know, like they're boiling water. We live in Canada, right? They're boiling water. It's not, it's not like you're in a third world country where you don't have these amenities they to, be are. to be able to do. Oh, but yeah, but that's what I mean. Like in, yeah. they're basically in a third world country yeah. surrounded by not. It, and that's, yes. yeah, that's, that's crap. You know, and, and, and like when the more North you get, like I didn't even know, anything and then like Sudbury was the worst place for being racist against aboriginal people like it was horrible and you go up into these small towns where there is um reserves close by and it's a horrible um issue we have here like that's a huge issue i find but it's not in the states and so like things like that haven't really like um i don't know if they have like evolutionized over here with that point it has for me like, you know, it's close. Like I have, um, my friend's husband is in Aboriginal, you know, and like we talk about things and there's a lot of problems with these residential schools that cause parents coming out of them, right? Because um, they released you after a certain age because what they were saying is we're going to put them in this school. We're going to teach them English. They're not going to be able to, to, to speak their language and we're going to make them productive members of society. Like that was the whole thing. Now, this kept going till 95, Mm. you know, like, and we also have problems where in Nova Scotia, like people have to research this more themselves to get like the exact, but there's something called, I want to say, but Africaville. And this is where in um, Nova Scotia, like we had a huge community of slaves that got released and people make it sound like Canada is so nice. And this is some of the things where like they released these slaves into the middle of nowhere and said, have fun, make it work. And they did. 
and they built a community and they built churches and they did it all. But these are the things I want to know. Like Canada isn't perfect. Like we have these issues like right now, like people don't have water. Like they don't have proper care, proper education, like food, like all of these things, you know? And so those are also things I'm like that get me inside. Cause again, it's just one of those things that doesn't make sense. Right. You know what I mean? And like, these are things that people think, oh, Canadians are awesome. And, and, and that's because that's what our country puts out, you know, but we have problems, but they're just different cultures. Like right. that's the thing, like ours is Aboriginal. It's a really huge issue there is a lot of addiction because of what our government put their families through so when you come back from somewhere and you've been domestically uh, abused you've been sexually violated you've lost your family you never even got to know them you guys all don't speak the same language anymore like all of these things led to where they're at now you know what i mean and what pees me right off is how are you going to fix it if they don't even have water right they don't have the basic, they don't have the basic things. So they're not even given a chance really to succeed in that situation. And to feel good about themselves, right. to feel worthy, to feel, you know, and, and so that's one thing I want people to know, like we do have that problem here. It's a huge problem in Canada that needs to be addressed, you know, and, and it's not. And so for us, like there's different issues of forms of racism that we have here mm-hmm. obviously there's still um all the other forms that there are the going on do you know what i mean like everywhere but what i've noticed is a really huge issue is when people don't have proper housing and proper water and they don't have um access to things and they're canadian and we're all here yeah and like that that's that's like with with our nonprofit hangry we talked a little bit before about it. the <clears throat> the idea is it's not it's usually not an a distribution problem. It's like, it's, it's, I'm saying it's not a supply problem. It's an access no. and distribution problem. We're not getting people, the people that are in need, we're not getting these people. I mean, you can literally go five miles down where I live in mm-hmm. either direction. You either have million dollar homes or people that can't afford to put food on their plate. And I'm talking, yeah. you're talking about 10 miles, you know, just either way. And you're like, this makes no sense. No, how we have these kinds of issues. But I think it all goes back to the idea of this like entitlement and people mm-hmm. not seeing people for being a human being. Again, exactly. we, don't, we don't have to agree with what everyone says. Like that's not the point of uh, this. It's no. you won't agree with everything I say. I'm not going to agree with everything you say, but at the same point in time, I need to respect you and kind of make sure you Thank have you. these basic kinds of needs in, in understanding to be able to, to, to be able to grow because if you're not given these basic things, there's no way you're going to be able to grow and flourish. Can you imagine if you're, if you didn't have water right now? I mean, how many times have I drank to picked up this cup and drank? Seriously. Like, so you had to get that water. You had to go somewhere. Now you have to boil it. Like you have to do all this stuff. Do you know what I mean? And, and so it is ridiculous. And like, even in speaking with people, I might not disagree. I might not agree with everything you say, but you're, you can educate me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it, it might just not helps formulate your facts. Yeah, it helps to formulate your opinion a little more because, and I always say that like with, we talk about like in my church with like faith and that sort of thing is mm-hmm. if you don't question it, if you don't try to get your truth out of it, how can you actually say you have faith in something when you don't have anything against you? If you don't have this opposing yeah. idea going, okay, I actually want to think about this. Why do I believe what I believe? Yes. If you don't have that, regardless, it doesn't have to be a, a religious kind of thing in any context. If you don't know why you believe what you believe, 
well, then you're law, like you're, you're standing on nothing. You're conditioned. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and a lot of people I think are, are conditioned. Like it's just this thing, like, and so, um, people at, and I'm like, but I don't understand why do you have to do that? Like, why? Like, well, I don't understand. And they're like, well, but, but I'm like, I just don't understand why. Yeah. Like you don't have to do that if you don't want to, you know? And another thing I found out just even my life and having my own issues and talking to other people is like, you can go through something like breaking your foot and you can't drive for six months and your butt is like in bed and you're upset and you never want to leave. And then I have, you know, I've lost my license and I'm not getting it back. Your feelings are still valid. I don't have to compare. Right. Why do we have to compare? You're hurt. I'm hurt. We're both hurt. What's the difference? Mm. There is no difference. You know what I mean? But it's like this competition of who's more hurt and who's done this. And, you know, like you can tell me a shitty situation and I'd be like, oh, my God, like that was crappy. That was bad. You had a hard time, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and that's the thing, too. Like, I never look at anybody and think, oh, my problems are so much worse than everybody else's, you know, because everybody had a hard time you know, like the craziest thing I was thinking too, like, and just speaking even in Canada, cause you have like the me too, which was started in the States. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then carried over here and me and my girlfriends and like, um, we're like from 34 to 30, like I'm the oldest, I'm 37. Um, <laughs> but, um, we literally, this is how pathetic this is. We had to Google sexual assault cause we didn't know what it was. That's how bad it is. We literally didn't know. I had no, cause we started and we had, and, and then we're all sitting here. We're like, isn't this horrible at our age because of our generation. And then I'm like, Holy, I shouldn't have looked that up. I think I've been sexually assaulted a lot because I didn't know. Right. Nobody told us. It was just like, it was still not. Yeah. Like that different generation thing where it wasn't, you were being taken advantage of. Right. Like it wasn't like that. Do you know what I mean? And, and And that when we read that, we were just all kind of sitting there, like kind of gobsmacked for a second when we read it. And we're like, how how do we not know? How are we this old? And we didn't even know what sexual assault was. But you know what? Because at the time that that was happening, we weren't being sexually assaulted. Right. What would you do? You didn't go to the police. It wasn't a thing the same. Like it wasn't taken the same, you know, as it, as it was Um, like them talking about like the bars and the guys hitting on like that kind of thing, you know, like it wasn't taken the same way, you know? And so that's nice to see that me too. Even for my daughter, for my little friend, Megan, like she's a really big in between with me. Like I love Megan, but she's into no bra and like, she doesn't want to have kids. And like, and that's another thing though. Like it's humbling. I sit there and think, because my first thing is my generation. Megan put a bra on, you know, like you need to put a brazier on. Like, what are you doing? You know, but then I reflect back and I'm like, she's right. Why does it matter if she doesn't want to wear a bra? Yeah, that's her problem. And, you know, and if people want to stare, it's like if you're wearing, you know, and this is kind of the, the place I went Freedom Village. Like if I'm wearing tight pants, it's my fault if guys like it. And this is where I like little Megan because she helps me check myself. Cause I'm like, okay, wait, I don't want that for my kids. You're right. If Alexis doesn't want to do that and you know, then that is okay. And so in having her support and her generation kind of helps me evolve my thinking and like help make my daughter like, like be able to develop and change the world at the same point, you know, but if you never like some people and they're like, no, I'm like, guys, like I was talking to my Nana I'm like, you need to stop Nana and like, think though, you know, like it, why, or Megan didn't want to have babies. And that's a really huge thing for women. If you don't want to have a baby, we're ingrained to have babies. 
you know, we're ingrained to have babies and people think she's crazy. And I'm like, that is, and, and even at first I'm like, Megan, you might want a baby one day. And then I realized, you know what? I had to stop saying that. Yeah. I had to stop saying that. I had to progress. A Megan doesn't want to have a baby. If you are a young woman and you do not want to have a baby, that is perfectly okay. You know, and, and in Canada, they won't tie your tube. Like they won't tire tubes yeah. right away. Like they make you keep going. And and Megan's right. If Megan is 19 and she chooses to do that and she can't have her baby, that has nothing to do with the government. Hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. so that's another part. And I can only have one child and another part of being a woman. And even here in Canada and probably the States is, Oh, when are you having another baby? Mm. When are you having another baby? You know? And um, these are things, even as women, like we're like are evolving, you know, and like talking and for me, like I was saying, like, I never thought and like people don't think women that they can't have babies because our whole life we're told not to get pregnant. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> our whole life. Nobody ever looks around and said, Megan, you might not be able to get pregnant. Right. You know what I mean? And so this is another thing that like it's happening don't get pregnant. It has to be like, protect yourself and don't get pregnant. And I'm not saying you can, but you know what I mean? And so these are a lot of the dynamics again, that I'm trying to change for my daughter, that little Megan helps me change these thought processes. So our generation or my daughter's generation can move on, can be better, but you have to be willing to have open, raw, respectful conversations that are open to thinking outside your box. hundred percent, you know, 100%. Like little Megan's, some of her things took me a while. She's been my friend now since 2019, you know, and, and some of her things I'm like, hmm. but the more I talk to her, I'm like, oh, okay, I got you, Megan. This kid's never been on social media. Lucky. All she has now at 22 is Snapchat, you know, and that was her mom. And I think that that was one of the best parenting moves her mom made. That's why this kid is so wholesome. Yeah. She doesn't need this fake um, attention from people and validation from people. And, and right now, like, this is the other thing. Parents, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss. Whatever you want to do. Parents talk shit. Yeah. Admit it. I talk shit all the time. Alexis, your iPad's gone for so long and then she's annoying. So I'm like, take your iPad and leave me alone for a bit. But I put my foot down when I have to. You know what I mean? And, and so this is the thing, like parents, like we're not perfect. Yeah. I'm literally a human being who made a human being. Right. That's what I am. Yeah. And now I'm just trying my best to do that. And, and I have my own problems and I have, everybody does, you know, but the hardest thing about being a parent is other parents. Yeah. That's, that's cool. the hardest thing. And some of them are just jealous, I think, cause they don't have the balls to do it themselves. Probably. That's probably a lot of it is just like, it's, I, I, I envy you for BA, being able to do that kind of thing. But all right, we've talked about so much. We could probably Seriously. talk for another like two hours, but we're not, we're going to come back. We'll, we'll have, we'll have Megan yeah. back on the show, but yeah, let, the people, let the people know how they can get in touch with you and, and just learn more about if they want to connect with you. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram and it's miss.megangormley is my name. And then I'm also on Clubhouse, which is just Megan Gormley. Um, and I'm not very active on TikTok, but I do have my account on there, which is M-E-G-A. And then Megan Gormley. Um, and I'd love people to check out my LinkedIn because I'm always looking to connect in different ways. And like I said, I'm always looking to do something. So I'm also into like virtual assistant right now and like doing this. And again, like I'm not in paralegal school and I'm just trying to hustle to make yeah. money and see where it leads me and let my journey take me right now. Yeah, for sure. You know, and and I think 
And we'll have all of those links in in the show notes so everybody can just go in the show notes, find those links, connect with Megan. Uh, Megan, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you. It was my joy. And I like, if anybody does want to have those open, respectful conversations, and if anybody wants to teach me anything about their culture, they have anything like I'm, I love learning and I'm not the person to talk shit and say, message me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not down to like, please guys don't message me. I'm not down. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to have those conversations. Like that's not, but I mean, like if you're having a hard day and you want to talk to me like a human being to a human being, like get in touch with me. Like I'm here for you, for everybody. I I actually will pick up the phone and call you because I know what it's been like. So get in touch with me again. If you're a guy, only if you want to talk about normal human being things, hit me up, you know, don't don't try to slide into the DMS for other purposes. You can try and slide, but you'll slide right out. (laughs) You go ahead. You do what you need to do. You know, and that's when I'm raw and authentic guys. So that's just it. be ready. That's it. Right? Raw and authentic. That's, that's the wrap up right there. So there. everyone else, you can reach out to me on social media everywhere at flores.run. Uh, subscribe, leave a review for the podcast. If you liked interviews like this, you want cool people, you want Megan back on the show, you got to let me know. You got to let yeah, me know I so we can have it. her back. Uh, but you can visit my website at www.flores.run. Um, uh, got everything there. You guys know how that works. Uh, hangry. We're doing big things in our community. It's just, it, we're making a huge difference and I'm just so thankful for everyone that's supporting Bella's going crazy because Kayla just got home. Uh, but, uh, you can visit the website. We are hangry.com. Yeah. See, Bella, Bella's like mommy's home. Finally, right? mommy's home. Someone's going to play like with me. Her better than you. Oh, uh, 100 but that's okay. That's how this thing works. But yeah, check out everything going on with Hangry. Uh, thank you guys so much for your support. Megan, thank you for being on the show today. But thanks everyone thank for listening. Remember to keep running with purpose one step at a time. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.